Good morning. Hi, welcome to Gateway. My name is Al. I'm one of the elders here. It's great to be with you this morning. Um, I'm still standing after only a couple hours sleep because of my wonderful daughter last night. We went out last night and we were back quite late and I said to the babysitter on the way home, so whenever we go out late, you can guarantee that the kids are going to be up in the night and shorter, similar, maybe it was prophetic, I don't know, but anyway, Ella was up in the night, ended up having to take her to the urgent walk-in centre, she's fine, but it's like two hours sleep, so if you you see me closing my eyes, someone needs to say amen, keep it going. (laughs) Um, Just in the first service, I just, um, as I got up to preach, I was just led to a scripture in uh, Jeremiah chapter 31, that I just want to read over us, and it's almost like doing the response before we've done the preach, but that's okay, Um, and I just want to invite people to respond into it before I get into what I believe God has spoken to me about this morning. I just want to read the scripture, and then I want to invite you just to stand, if that resonates with you, with where you're feeling, and it's Jeremiah 31, verse 25, and it says this, for I will satisfy the weary soul, and every languishing soul I will replenish. I just encourage you right now, if you're weary, if that's physically because of work or because of life situation, if you're emotionally drained, if you're feeling spiritually weary, can I just encourage you just to stand right now before the Lord, it, you know, if one, two, whatever, just feel, I just feel like led to that in, in Jeremiah, and I want to just pray for you before we start that you receive the Spirit of God this morning. If you feel weary this morning, the Word of God over you this morning is, I will replenish your soul. Come to me, all ye who are weary, and I will give you rest. I will replenish your soul. And I just want to read this scripture over you again, and then I want to pray very simply that you'd receive God. For I, this is I, the Lord God, will satisfy the weary soul, and every languishing soul I will replenish. I don't care if it's physically, emotionally, or spiritually. God says, I will replenish your soul. I am the replenisher. I am the giver of life. And I want to speak a word of, the Bible talks about the word shalom over you. It's a sense of oneness and wholeness over your mind, over your body, over your whole person, emotions, physical, spiritual. I want to speak a word over you that are standing this morning, a word of shalom, a word of peace over you this morning. I will pray right now for you. I say receive the Spirit of God. Right now, Lord God, would you breathe upon these people that are standing before you, and whatever their life circumstance, whatever they're standing for, I pray replenish their soul this morning. If it's physical, I want to pray replenish them physically, Lord God. If it's emotionally or spiritually, would you be the one who replenishes them as they walk with you, as they stand before the living God this morning? I want to speak a word of life and a word of peace over these people who are, who are standing before you this morning. Lord God, Lord, I want to pray replenish their soul, and I say to you guys, receive the Spirit afresh. As you put your, wind, your sails up in that way, but the breath of God come and go, I want to breathe upon you this morning and give you life and life in abundance. Lord Jesus, do a work in these guys who are standing. Do a work in these men and women right now. Lord, give peace to their soul. Where they're weary, Lord, replenish them, I ask in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Please do be seated. If you want to pray about it afterwards, please do come and find me or one of the other guys, or Nick or someone else, and we'll have to pray for you and just stand with you in, um, in whatever circumstance you're finding yourself. Um, most of you know that um, we've got, my wife and I, Sarah, we've got two young children, Ella, who's five, who I just mentioned a minute ago, and uh, Jed, who's about two and a half, a, li- a little boy. And we've just got out of the kind of baby toddler phase, which I think is why a sleepless night was such a shock last night. We've just got out of that kind of baby toddler phase. And we're now into the phase where you really start to see your children imitating you. 
you really start to see them observing your behaviour and your patterns and your characteristics and your lifestyle, and you start to see it replicated in your children, which sometimes is amazing. And you look at your children and go, wow, they're so kind and compassionate. And sometimes you look at them and go, they can't have learned that from us, surely. And then you realise actually they have. When Ella was stomping around upstairs the other day, literally, I've lost my sunglasses. Literally, I've lost my sunglasses. And sometimes it's just hilarious watching your children imitate you and, and, uh, and as you observe them. But the reality is, children pick up on the vibe of your household, whether, you, whether it's the language you speak or the characteristics um, that that is. And, and my, my daughter, Ella, she is in a phase of life where she loves role-playing right now. And her favourite game is Mums and Dads, um, which, truth be told, I find one of the most boring games there is out there. I'd far rather do something else. But I listened to the preach on family a few weeks ago, which talked about being interested in what your children are interested in. So Julie, day in, day out, week in, week out, I play mums and dads. I'm always the dad. Ella's always the mum. Sarah's normally the big sister and Jed's the baby, which I guess kind of makes sense. But other than being a fairly dull and boring game, it's actually very insightful because you you get to see Ella being mum, Ella interacting as if she's one of us. And the other day when we were playing, she said to me, OK, so you're the dad, so that means you need to go lie on the sofa and have a nap. <laughs> Which, for those of you who are connected with Sarah or I on Facebook, it won't surprise you that Ella thinks that's what dads do, because there have been numerous pictures that my lovely wife puts on Facebook of me having a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon nap. And that's no surprise, therefore, Ella's picked up on, Dad, you need to go and have a rest. So that's actually what I did, but that's by the by. But just so that Sarah doesn't get away scot-free with it, even though she's not here to defend herself, later on that same day, uh, I think Sarah had popped out. Ella was in the bath, and, uh, and she was still in character, if you like. She was still in mum mode. And she just said to me, she said, Dad, I'm just going to lie down in the bath and have my joy and peace, and then I'm going to go and pluck my eyebrows. <laughs> now, I don't know what happens when I'm not around or I'm at work, but I'm just getting some insight in by watching Ella... About, about that. So anyway, I think there's a lot of joy and peace that happens in our household, a lot of plucking of eyebrows when I'm not around. Anyway, that's just a funny illustration, I guess, of children imitate their parents. We, as the family of God, are children of God, called to be imitators of him, called to grow in the likeness of him. And far from where we, as earthly parents, fall and fail and do things that are, quite frankly, wrong... We have a good, good father, as we've been singing about, who is perfect in all of his ways, who is loving and compassionate and worthy of being imitated. And our role as Christians, our role as the children of God, is to grow in the family likeness, to grow in being imitators of God. And that's exactly what this whole summer preaching series is about, this little three-week summer preaching series, which we're calling Summer Fruits. You could call it Summer Christ-likeness, or growing in intimacy with God, or, or imitating God, When we talk about bearing fruit, we're talking about people that are growing in godliness, growing in Christ-likeness. And we've been talking loads, haven't we, recently about the work of the Holy Spirit in equipping us and how how that works out in work and family and rest and what we do with our money and how we make our friends and how we choose our partners. And this is really a continuation of that journey. What does it mean to be a people that grow in Christ-likeness? What does it actually mean to be a people that imitate God? Now, it won't surprise you, perhaps, if you've been around church or you grew up in Sunday school, that when we talk about fruitfulness, we often go to the scripture in Galatians chapter 5, called the, also known the fruits of the Spirit. So I just want to start by reading that, and then, we'll, and then we'll get into what the scripture is all about and one of the areas of focus on for today. So if it can just come up on the screen. 
You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Just want to stop there. That's, that's what Mark was talking about last week. People of God, it's obvious. Fruit is obvious in the life of a Christian. He looked at Stephen and Barnabas and the life of Peter in the Bible and talked about how their lives obviously demonstrated the work of God. It obviously demonstrated the fruit of the Spirit. Similarly, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. So everything else that's not on that list, basically, that's a vice. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, which is equally obvious, is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying one another. So last week Mark was focusing on the idea of the fruits of the Spirit are obvious, as are, the, as are the acts of the flesh. This morning, I want to focus on verse 16, where Paul writes, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, but instead you'll produce fruit, love, joy, peace, patience. Or you could say, but you'll produce godly character. You'll learn to imitate God. But just before we get into looking at what it actually means to walk by the Spirit, and I want to help us this morning with loads of scripture and loads of practical examples about what, it, what does it mean to walk by the Spirit. I just want to do a little bit of foundation checking, because otherwise we're going to find ourselves just going round and round in circles. You see, when, we, when God calls us home and we accept him as our Lord Jesus, we accept him as the saviour of our lives, some amazing things happen. We get a new identity in God. The old is gone, the new has come. We have right standing before our Heavenly Father, despite of all our sin, all our rebellion, all our wrongdoing. And actually, the Bible says that sin's power is broken over our lives. It's broken, it's gone. We don't have to sin. We are no longer masters of sin. And what God also does is he says, I'm going to come and fill you with my spirit. I'm going to come and fill you with the breath of life so that you'll be equipped and know how to live out lives of faithfulness and godliness. The Apostle Paul writes it, uh, Peter writes it like this in the book of 1 Peter. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. God, when he calls you home, gives you everything you need for life and godliness. You lack nothing to live out a godly life. Please, let, us be that our, let that be our foundation. A people that are called, set free, filled with his spirit, given everything we need for life and for godliness. Isn't that an amazing foundation that we have as God's people? And as well as having a new identity, God also says you've got a new destination. 
You've got a new destination. In that song, How Marvelous, How Wonderful, we were singing about when, the, you know, at the end of time, we'll stand before our Father, we'll stand before him, and he'll say, well, come into my kingdom. You've fought the good fight. You've run the race. Now, well done. Come and receive the crown of righteousness that I have prepared for you. We have a new identity in Christ. We have a new destination. We have a new destination. We're going somewhere different. We're going somewhere to be with the Father forever. And from the moment we get called home by God to the moment that we die and we go to be with him for eternity, we get a calling of God, which is be fruitful. I'm calling you to be a fruitful people. Look at the call to to Adam in the Garden of Eden. Be fruitful and multiply. Look at the call nine chapters later to Noah after the flood. Be fruitful and multiply. Jesus to his disciples in John chapter, 20, and John chapter 15, those who abide in me, they will bear much fruit. And then right through the New Testament letters in Galatians, in Ephesians, in Romans, you see this idea of Christians being people that bear fruit. Our, our lives are to be fruitful. Everybody I know in life wants to be fruitful, wants to be productive, wants to produce something. The fruit we're trying to produce is fruit that will last into eternity. Godly fruit that won't run out. Godly fruit that will last into eternity. And when the Bible talks about fruit in this context, it talks either about the fruit in terms of advancement of the kingdom of God, i.e. God's reign and rule advancing. That's what God says to Adam in the Garden of Eden, be fruitful and multiply. He's talking about the expanding of the kingdom of God. But what we're focusing on this morning, and what Paul writes in his letters, is about the fruit that comes from those who grow in Christ-likeness. Character transformation. That's the kind of fruitfulness we're talking about this morning. How do we grow in the likeness of God? How do we grow in character like God? You see, God calls us to a lifetime of bearing fruit, of being transformed into the likeness of him. And how does he say you to do it? Walk by the Spirit. You know, those who walk by the Spirit, fruitfulness or Christ-likeness is guaranteed. Because if we walk with God, we'll learn to become more and more like him. That's our call as Christians, is to learn what it means to walk by the Spirit. And we know that as we do that, love will come. As we walk through the journey of life, we'll suddenly find ourselves being patient with our kids. We'll suddenly find ourselves being kind to that really annoying work colleague. You think, I wish they weren't there. You'll suddenly find yourself with wisdom in a situation when you don't know. You'll suddenly find yourself being compassionate to those that are hurting and broken in society because God is working in you, transforming you from one degree of glory to another, transforming you into the image of God, transforming you into Christ-likeness. You see, our culture would say, I just have to try so hard. I have to make myself change. And God says, no, walk by the Spirit and watch as I change you. Watch as I, day by day, week by week, month by month, change you into becoming more and more like me. And the reality is, we can often look in this for big spiritual experiences, kind of like hyper-spirituality, if you like. And God says, oh, this is often the unassuming, day by day, walking with me. How you live at work, how you live with your friends, how you are as parents. This is the kind of walking that God is talking about. Of course, there's times when God says, bam, I want to come and meet you so powerfully. But the kind of fruit is this is a walking, this is a journeying together that takes time. You know, fruit 
on a tree does not grow overnight. We all know that. Fruit takes time to grow and to mature. As Christians, we take time to mature and grow. I think what God wants to say to us is, let me walk with you. Let me commune with you. Let me lead you. Let me guide you. Let me shape you day after day after day in all your decision-making, in what you choose to do with your time, in how you choose to speak to your wife or your husband, in how you are with your children, in how you relate to your work colleague. Let me lead you. Because what God is effectively saying is, I'm the God of the universe, yet I'm going to come and walk with you. Isn't that amazing? We have a God who walks with us. We have a God who says, I want to commune with you. What intimacy we have as we've been singing about this morning, what intimacy with God that he says, let me come and live with you, let me come and walk with you. This isn't hyper-spiritual, this isn't mystical, this is the God of the universe saying, let me come day by day, let's walk together, and I'll show you where to go. You'll learn to do what I do, you'll learn to be like me, you'll learn to love like me, you'll learn to be wise like me, you'll be compassionate like me, you'll be humble like me, you'll be patient like me. And of course, we're not perfect, we're looking at, our, our, at Christ Jesus, saying we want to become more like you. And of course, there's days when we don't do that. And some days when we walk by the Spirit, it feels like we're gliding on ice. Look, look, God is doing such a wonderful work in my life. Other days, it feels like we're walking through treacle. Going, God, how is this walking, this journeying is so difficult? But God says, walk with me and you'll be transformed. Watch over decades, watch over your life as I transform you. There is nothing... I think it's inspiring to see as somebody who is older in life, who has walked the journey of faith and is saying, and you look at their life and you can go, look, look at their life. Look at the fruit of the Spirit in their life. I love watching that and I hope one day when I get much older in years, somebody will look at me and say, there's a man that has grown in the fruit of the Spirit, who's walked with God over many years and they'll say, that's the man I want to be like. Or or for you, you might say, that's that's a lady that I want to be like. There's There's someone older in faith you can look at and go, look at them. Look how mature they are in faith. Look how they're kind and compassionate and merciful and loving because they've walked with God day in, day out through their lives. So what I want to do is I want to look at four ways that I believe the scripture in Galatians and other scriptures in the Bible teach us about what it means to walk by the Spirit. I want to try and get quite practical. I want to give you some examples from our own lives, certainly not to big ourselves up, um, but really just to help give you some grounding about, well, what does this look like day by day, hour by hour, if you like? So here we go. Number one, what does it mean to walk by the Spirit? Number one is a people who come to the source of life. Brothers and sisters, we have an invitation to come and walk with God. How many times in the Bible does God speak to his disciples and say, come? He invites us and he says, come. Jesus calls his disciples and he tells them, come after me in Matthew chapter 4. He invites his disciples in John 21. He says, come and dine with me. He speaks to Zacchaeus, who's in the tree, and he says, hurry, Zacchaeus, come down. And he says to those that are weary, come to me, all ye who are weary, and I will give you rest. And then, he, and then Jesus, in John chapter 7, many of us will know this scripture where Jesus says, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. 
Do you want waters? Do you want rivers of living water flowing out of your life? Do you want your soul quenched by the God of the universe? And God says, come to me. Come to me. Come to me. Come and spend time with me, learning my ways, learning my leading, watching where I go, watching what I do. You've got to come. We don't move on from coming to God. The book of Ephesians, Paul writes, be filled with the Spirit, or go on being filled with the Spirit. We never move on from coming to God and say, fill me, God. Fill me, God, with your life, with your Spirit, that I may walk with you day by day. Today, I want to walk with you, God. I want to set a challenge to you. Every day this week, why don't you just say, wake up in the morning and say, God, won't you walk with me today by your Holy Spirit? Two minutes, five minutes, whatever it can look like for you in the morning when you've got to rush up to get a train or when your kid jumps on your head or whatever it looks like. What does it look like for you to say in the morning, God, won't you come and walk with me today? I'm inviting you in. Please come and walk with me today and watch as you do that, day after day, watch as fruit comes, watch as transformation comes. You see, another way that we come to God is the word of God. How often can we be looking for wisdom or lacking in love and we go, oh, where do I look? Where do I look? And God's all the time going, I've written you the words of eternal life. I've written you things that will do you good, that are good for teaching and instruction. I've given you all things you need. This is my words will bring life to you if you'll open them up and read them. And part of our, a huge part of our coming to God has to be saying to God, I want to open this word. I want to see what you say. Colossians chapter 3, Paul writes this long chapter. He says, you have a new identity in Christ. Therefore, put to death sin, put on holy living. What does he say at the end of it? And let the message of Christ, or let the word of God, dwell richly among you. You want to come to God, come to his word. Let's not let it be the last place that we come to for wisdom. Let it not be the last place we come to to find out what love looks like. And this is how we know what love is. That Christ Jesus died and laid down his life for us. There's a story um, recently, Sarah, um, she, she, she said it's okay to share this, Sarah's been struggling quite a lot with getting angry, um, and it seems like me and the kids bear the brunt of it, I guess we're just around more than anybody else, so if you come around the house a lot, then you know, but, um, and she just said, I'm just really struggling with it, and she just, she just felt provoked to say, the first thing I'm going to do in the morning is I'm going to open the word of God. For however long I've got, before I have to get up and get on with my day of looking after the kids, I'm going to spend two minutes or five minutes letting the word of God dwell richly in my heart. And guess what's happened? She's less angry. Is that surprising? No, because let the word of God dwell richly among you, and you'll learn to put to death the things of the flesh, and you'll learn to walk by the Spirit. It's just a tiny example. Sometimes she'll literally read a few verses, but as the word of God dwells richly in her heart, as she comes to God, God starts to transform her character, starts to transform who she is, starts to grow her into the likeness of Christ. So that's number one, a people that come to the source of life. Number two, a people who sense the leading of the Spirit. Do you know, I am increasingly convinced that God is talking to us all of the time. Go this way. Don't speak like that. Love like that. Speak to that person, they're struggling. Be humble. I'm increasingly convinced that he's wanting to lead us and guide us, whether that be at work, in those conversations about faith. But are we listening to him? Are we letting him lead us and guide us and shape us? You see, when Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's saying to them, I'm going to leave you and I'm going to send the helper, the Holy Spirit, he says to them, I think the verse is going to come up on the screen, 
He says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Do you know, God is reminding us all the time of the things that he has spoken to us and that are recorded in the word of God. He's reminding us all the time of what it means to live godly lives, what it means to live out faith in our culture in this day. He's speaking to us and he's saying, this is how I want you to live. All the time, I believe he's just he's guiding and shaping and, set, and we're being sensed um, into his leading and his guiding. At the end of the scripture we just read in Galatians 5, it talks about if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The, ver- the Greek verb here is all about um, like the march of a soldier, if you like. It's, it's the drumbeat, it's the march of a soldier. Our job is to keep in time, keep in step with where the Spirit of God is leading us. Not to step outside of that, not to go left or to the right, but to say, I want to keep in step. I want to keep with the tempo of the Holy Spirit. Where is he leading me today? How is he wanting to, be, to, to act and live out my life in the workplace? You see, this is exactly how the disciples lived. If you read the book of Acts, you will see time and time again phrases like, it seemed right to us and to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit led us. The Holy Spirit provoked us. The Holy Spirit prevented us. God is leading. He led his disciples all the way through the Bible, and he is leading us today in the way that we live out our lives. Let me just give a couple of examples of this from our own lives. Before I came to work for the church, I was, I was in a job when I had to travel quite a lot, and I'd have to go away for nights away. And as part of the deal, you could go out for an evening meal. If you were traveling away at night, that was part of the package. You could go and, and then you claim it back. But the policy at the company said you can claim back food, but you can't claim back any alcoholic drinks. That was, just, that was the rule. It was like, that's the policy. So I was away with a colleague one, one day. We went out for dinner and we had one or, two, um, we had one or two drinks. And when the bill came back, it was not an itemized bill. So it just said total amount 40 pounds or 45 pounds or whatever it was. And so when I went into work the next day or the next week, and I said to the administrator who was doing the expenses claim, I said, here's the, here's the receipt, but can you take off uh, 15 pounds? Because actually that was, or 10 pounds or whatever it was, that was some, some drinks that me and a colleague had. I don't want to claim that because that's not the company policy. And she said, nobody will ever know doesn't really matter. Why, why, why make a thing of it? And at that moment, I just sensed the leading of the Spirit to say, no, integrity and honesty are the characteristics of me, God. So therefore, I want you to be a man of integrity and honesty. And I said to her, no, it does matter. I don't want you to claim it. And that, that's a small, tiny decision that we make day by day. If God led me. I felt like God said, no, I, don't want you to, I want you to be a man of honesty in the workplace. Every decision you make does matter. And so I just said, no, please don't claim that. I'll pay for that myself. That's fine. Little tiny examples. That's what I mean by it's often very unassuming decisions. It's often the day-by-day decisions that we make. And secondly, um, before Sarah and I got married, our relationship wasn't particularly God-honoring, I have to say. And we came one Sunday morning. We heard a preach by Mark Thornett, which was talking about gray areas of life. Are there gray areas in your life? What? And if, if it's gray, why are you even going there? Because actually God calls us to holiness. He calls us to holy living. And we both were so convicted that we went home, we repented, we prayed together. We just felt like God would say, this isn't how I want you to live out your relationship. This isn't the kind of relationship I have called you to. I've called you to a God-honoring relationship. And, and actually God did something fundamental in our hearts of changing us from not a God-honoring relationship to one where we're saying, actually, we want to pursue you, God, we want you to be first and foremost in our relationship. And thank God he did that, because that was in the build-up to that as we got married. And I genuinely believe part of the fruit of what we're seeing in our marriage is because we, had, we, had, we repented. We followed the leading of God in our lives. As he said, no, that's not the way I want you to live. 
It's not, that's not, I'm not, that's not the way you should be. I want you to live, live like this. And we sense the leading of the Holy Spirit. So how are you sensing the leading of the Spirit at work or with your friends? When those think, thoughts come in where you get that, you know, that, that stomach-churning moment, you're like, this isn't the right, or I should say this, or I should do that, or I should bring a kind word here. How are you sensing the leading of God in your life? And that links nicely into point number three, which is all about a people that choose wisely. Brothers and sisters, we are not robots. When God provokes us by his spirit, we have a choice about how to respond and to engage with those decisions. Everywhere you look in the Bible, it talks about putting to death sin. It always uses very active language, i.e. put to death, therefore, Colossians Colossians 3 verse 1 says. Ephesians 5 says, take no part in. There's a very active sense of we have a responsibility here to choose wisely to follow the leading of the Spirit. When God provokes you at work and says that's not the way you should be, you have a choice about how you're going to respond through the grace of God, through the Spirit's leading. You can say, I'm going to suppress those feelings of, about honesty and integrity because actually I want my 15 pounds back. Or you can say, no, I'm going to follow the leading of God. Or I could tell a, it doesn't matter if I tell a little white lie to a colleague because it doesn't really matter. No one's ever going to know. God says, no, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a God of honesty. Please, please, this is the way I want you to lead. We have a choice. When, when our kids are driving us up the wall, and God says, no, I want you to be patient and loving, like I'm a patient and loving father to you. He also disciplines us, of course, but it's, he says, no, it's, I want you to be patient and loving. We have a choice to say, are we going to be patient and loving or are we going to speak a harsh word? These are the something we have an ability to choose by the grace of God how we respond to his leading. So similarly, a question for you is when you sense the leading of God, how are you choosing to respond to those? When you sense day by day the leading of the Spirit, how are you responding? How are you, how are you following his leading? So the last one, uh, which I really felt like God laid on my heart towards the end of the week, um, which I, I want to just call us into really as we, as we come to a close. What does it mean to be a people that walk by the Spirit? It's a people who walk together. When you, when you look at the context of um, Galatians chapter 5, and you see, the, you see the, these famous words about the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control, what sandwiches those verses is all about how we live lives together in community as God's people. If we look at verse 13 and 14, which is before the bit about the fruits of the Spirit, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And then after the bit on the fruits of the Spirit, the rest of chapter 5 talks about how we love one another. Let us not become conceited. Let us not provoke one another. And then chapter 6, which which follows this again, talks about how we bear with one another's burdens, how we love and support and admonish one another. The context of this passage of Scripture is all about how we live out faith together, how we live out our lives as God's people together. Paul never envisages Christians who are walking in isolation. Never. He always envisages people that are walking by the Spirit together, provoking, admonishing, encouraging, loving, serving, blessing one another in grace-filled New Testament community called the local church. That's how he always envisages. He always envisages it. 
See, in our individualistic culture, we think about me and what I'm doing, and, and the Bible smashes that and says, no, think about your community. Walk together in love. You see, um, a couple of other examples in Colossians 3, which we looked at earlier, when he writes about this, put to death sin, put on holy living, let the word of God dwell richly in you. He then talks about teaching and admonishing one another. Again, a sense of togetherness in how we put to death sin, in how we put on holy living together. And then in Ephesians 5, after Paul writes about imitate God, take no part in unfruitful works, but live, in, live as children of the light, he then says, be filled with the Spirit, teaching, admonishing one another by singing psalms and hymns to one another. I've never actually done that to anyone. I've never sung a hymn to them. I don't think they'd like it very much. But the point is, it's, actually how to, it's all about community. It's all about being together on this mission. Please, can I just, I just want to make a, a plea to us this morning. Let us be a people that walk this life of faith together, teaching and admonishing and provoking and loving and blessing one another together. If you're here this morning and you're feeling on the outside of community, on the edge, can I please just, my, my plea to you this morning is, can I invite you in? Can I invite you in to be a people that walk together in this loving community? You know, we, a few years ago, um, we were trying to get Ella to transfer from being in a, a, a baby cot into a proper bed. And it's fair to say it didn't really go very well. Um, and night after night, she was waking up at two in the morning. And, you know, and then eventually, one Saturday night, I remember kind of 20 times, just kind of picking her up, putting her back in a bed, going back to my bed. She'd walk in, you know, this kind of story. It's just, it, got, it got crazy. And at the end of it, I got so angry with her to the point where I shouted at her. And she was in tears, in floods of tears. My anger just took over in that moment. And I, mem- and I remember just thinking, this isn't the kind of father I want to be towards my daughter, towards my children. And the next day was church, and I came, and, and, I, and I went to find Callum and Katie at the end of it, who were great friends of ours. And I just said, guys, I, I'm so angry right now with my children. That's not the kind of guy I want to be. Please, would you walk with me? Please, would you commune with me? Would you, would, would, well, can I be accountable to you? Can you pray with me? Can we walk by the Spirit together? so that I learn what it means to, to, to not be angry, but to be patient and loving with my children. And that, you know what? He prayed for me. They loved us. They encouraged us. And God, through his wisdom and through his power, started to take away anger out of me. Now, of course, I still get angry with my kids. Of course I do. But there was a moment there where I said, I, I'm, I'm in community. I want to walk together with brothers and sisters in the Lord and say, would you encourage and admonish me where I need to be admonished and provoke me and encourage me and love me. And they did that and it was amazing. And I, and I just want to put that towards you. If you're not feeling a part of this community, can I invite you to come in? We have our small group starting in September. This is a bit of a shameless plug for it. If you're not connected into a small group in Gateway, please get connected because that's where life gets worked out. That's where community gets worked out. We had a great testimony in the first meeting from James and Joy. Uh, for those of you who know James and Joy Aldred, they've been in Gateway since pretty much day one. They are moving to Southport in, near Manchester. They feel God's leading them there to go and help look after her disabled mum. And there's just been a wonderful story about God's leading them there. But in the first service, they shared their story. And they talked about how week after week, they're with their small group. And they said, you know, we just feel like we need this this week from God. And they prayed for one another and they saw answers to prayer. And they prayed together and they saw answers to prayer. And they just said, part of our journey has been our group together walking the journey of faith together. People who walk together. I just think this is what the heart, of, the heart of the Apostle Paul is often how do we journey faith and life and model faith and life together. Can I just ask us to stand? I, wanna, I just want to pray over us um, before we finish today. I want to 
I want to lay us all before God that we might become a people that, that walk increasingly by the Spirit and learn what it means to grow in Christ-likeness as we, as, we, as we come to the source of life, as we choose wisely, as we sense his leading, as we, as we walk together. But I just want to start off by saying there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God says, I don't care where you are right now, I don't care where you've come from, I don't care what you're living with. He says, today I invite you to come in and commune with me. He says, there's a banqueting table here that I've invited you to. Whether you feel close to God, whether you feel distant from him, whether you're hurting, whether you're stuck in sinful patterns of behavior, whether history is... Has, has, has led you away from God, whether there's been decisions or actions, I say there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus this morning. I speak a word over you this morning. I just say, come in, knowing you'll find grace and mercy from our loving God. Lord Jesus, I want to pray right now over us as a church. I just want to pray right now that we would receive the Spirit of God and that we would learn to be a people that walk with you day after day, God, I want to pray that you would, that you right, right now, I pray that you, we would come to the source of life this week. I pray there'd be two, five, ten minutes, half an hour this week, every day when we just go, God, I want to come to the source of life through prayer, through um, one anothering, through, uh, through reading of the word of God, that we would be people that come quickly to the source of life, knowing that as we do that, rivers of living water would flow from within us. Rivers of Christ-likeness would flow from within us. The Spirit of God would breathe on us and cause us to grow, to be imitators of God. I want to just pray, if you're stuck in patterns of ungodly living this morning, I want to pray, receive the Spirit, because those who walk by the Spirit will not gratify the desires of their flesh, but will produce godly fruit and godly character. If you're struggling with any of those vices that are listed up there, or where it says, and the like, other things, I pray of you this morning, the, the message of God is to receive the Spirit. And watch as he changes your heart's desires, as he recalibrates you. Lord God, I just want to ask that your grace and your mercy might be on display in this church. I want to pray over you if you're feeling outside of this community of God's people, whether it's this church or another church. I want to pray if you're feeling outside of it that you would come in. We're not perfect. Sure, we're going to hurt one another at times. Sure, we'll make mistakes. But we are, uh, we are never called to live alone. We are called to walk together in love through this great New Testament community called the church. And I want to, if that's you this morning, if you're feeling outside of that, I want to invite you in to walk together through this autumn term. I want to invite you to come in and to walk with others and watch how God uses that to grow you and to shape you. But most of all, Lord God, I just want to pray for my brothers and sisters here, and for myself this morning, I want to just pray that we would receive you afresh this morning. Blow, Lord, the breath of God over us. Blow the breath of God over us. Breathe on us, Lord, that we might grow in Christ-likeness, that we might be a people that get to the end and say, I have fought the good fight. I have run the race. I have kept the faith. I have produced Christ-likeness. I have produced fruit of the Spirit. Now receive the crown of glory, God says at the end. I just want to pray, God, that we be a people that receive you today.
that we would walk with you today, that tomorrow in the office, that, that when, when a situation comes up, that we would walk with you, that you would guide us and that we would, we would follow your guiding. And when it comes to moments of being angry with people or being frustrated, Lord, you bring patience and wisdom. When it comes to decisions in life about where to go or how to go, Lord, your wisdom would be poured out upon us. When it comes to um, moments where we just want to be unkind or speak a harsh word to somebody, Lord, I pray that the kindness of God would come, in, come all over us and would, um, would, would be on display in our lives by your Spirit's leading, Lord, I pray. Holy Spirit, lead us, I pray, in these days. Lead me, I pray, in these days. For your glory, for your glory, Lord God. If we want to know what it means to be a missional people, we've got, to, we've got to become like the one who was the most missional person in the whole of human history, who humbled himself, made himself nothing, took on the very form of a servant. Lord Jesus, I pray, bless us this week. Fill us with your spirit. I pray there'll be stories coming out of, of this week of someone saying, yeah, I just, I just sense a lady of God and, and, and look what he did in my life. Lord Jesus, help us to walk with you day by day, I pray. For your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen.